This is episode 23 of uh, Whistling in the Dark podcast. I'm Patrick Bradley. Today is December 2nd, 2018. And uh, yeah, believe it. This is two episodes in two days. Uh, Not sure how long I'll keep up this rate, but I was chilling. I didn't have a lot going on today and wasn't that into the uh, NFL football <clears throat> so I said, fuck it. All right. Um, it's hopefully uh, I'll keep it pretty succinct. Um, I don't have a ton of topics to go over. That's it, it's it's kind of weird, man. I get like I said uh, yesterday, you know, I kind of just got to go, um, you know, with. Uh, sorry, I messed with my mic. Um <clears throat> I kind of just like got to like go with my gut and stuff and in uh you know that lets me sort of like speak just sort of more fluidly and and get into it um <clears throat> and you know occasionally I get hit with topics just at any point in the day and I'll take notes but then you know if I don't get to it in you know some amount of some reasonable amount of time you know, that vibe has passed and I still got to get on something else. So, and and honestly, lately I haven't been, you know, feeling a whole ton of stuff. Yet Yesterday kind of represented more of my thoughts. They weren't as tied into, um, you know, the day-to-day kind of news things that were happening. And it was more about, um, you know, just what was, uh, what I had been so personally mulling over. Uh, anyway, um... So, this is what I'm thinking about for today. Uh, I read over an article on Reuters about um, protests in Paris. I think it just happened yesterday. And uh, apparently the largest protests in like 50 years that they've seen. And they're all uh, apparently due to um, gas taxes and... uh, They've gone up a whole lot. So that's pretty interesting. Uh, I wanted to go over... I actually had pulled it up and and looked through it yesterday and just totally spaced it and ended the podcast. Um, But I wanted to go over antiwar.com. There's, you know, still a lot of people getting killed over there. Um, And, you know, as usual, it's not in the news. Uh, Was uh, looking over CNN, saw one article in particular jumped out. It was called Three Fierce Women Under Fire. And uh, it was Ocasio-Cortez, the congresswoman. um, uh, A woman that I think is in the the caravan thing at Tijuana. And then... um, (laughs) I forget her name. I don't really... uh, She's she's the Duchess now, um, Megan, the Duchess of Sussex. Anyway, so those were their three, uh, you know. And they they did say, oh, they have so little in common, but they're under fire. Uh, you know, pretty sure that woman in uh, 
caravan is is definitely got it like 10 billion times worse than those other two women who are you know one's like ultra rich elite you know (laughs) if there is an illuminati she's married into that family now and then the other one is like a budding elite right uh certainly destined to be very very wealthy um it's okay casio cortez anyway uh so I was going to um, go over them and maybe mention a little bit about George Bush since I didn't talk about him yesterday. Uh, <clears throat> so let's bring up this Reuters article. Stunned Parisians clean up posh central district after worst riots since 1968. Um, and just a little of my own background. Uh, I've actually been to Paris a number of times. I have very good friends that live there. Uh, I used to um, go there for work. There was a couple of years, um, and uh, so yeah, it. I I, I, um, I don't know if I mentioned it on the on any episodes, but something that I've thought about um, is, <clears throat> I mean, I've I feel like I spent so much time trashing, you know, CNN and whatnot. Um, but I was thinking about you know, uh, kind of the other way. I hear you know, Paul Joseph Watson or Alex Jones, and they will talk about how, like, Paris has just been, like, over one run with uh, immigrants. And, you know, they always uh, they're talking about all these these rapes and the crime going up. And, and they, they say these things about, you know, San Francisco, how it's just this disgusting place or whatever now, you know, because these are, I guess the, you know, havens for, for liberals or, you know, sort of the, some of the gems in the, uh, the liberal empire. And, um, San Francisco is another place. I, I've traveled a number of times, a lot of friends there and stuff. And, um, I guess, I mean, I haven't been to Paris in a year, just, just a little over a year. I think I went in November of last year. Um, but you know, I talked to my buddy there almost, I don't know, every day, every other day. Uh, I've never heard him mention anything. Um, I'll probably ask him about these riots. Um, I would imagine, you know, he's heard about that. And actually I was in Paris, uh, when the Bataclan, uh, Bataclan or whatever, um, when the terrorists went, they shot up the, uh, that concert. Uh, it was like the Eagles of death metal concert. And he shot up some restaurants and everything. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty crazy. I, um, was they, uh, if you're familiar with Paris, I was in the eight, uh, 18th and Driesmont. Uh, and that is not where any of the shootings came. It's where one of the people dumped their car or something, but yeah, we were just across the street eating dinner. Um, and I actually got a text from somebody in the U S <laughs> saying, Hey, are you okay? Uh, you know, we looked at, you know, we turned it on and, um, yeah, it was pretty, it's pretty weird. It's pretty weird being, uh, you know, in a situ uh, a place like that when you, you know, when you don't speak French, um, you know, it's a little bit, uh, a little bit weirder, but I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know how to, you know, we, we were definitely like far enough away that it's not like we heard any gunshots or anything like that. Um, as opposed to Atlanta where, you know, any given night I can hear, uh, gunshots, you know, I live across the street from like a $650,000 house, uh, but you can still hear those gunshots out in the distance, um, or the not too far distance, really. Um, anyway, um, just to, you know, some of the background there, uh, as far as, you know, me and, and 
Paris. So, um, yeah, I don't, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm not, I, I don't mean to claim that, you know, nothing that they're saying is true either. I'm not saying that there isn't, you know, some big problem and that, you know, violent crimes aren't going up, but, you know, I, I don't know. I, I can just only talk about what I've seen, you know, with my own two eyes and San Francisco is pretty nice. You know, um, it's just like outrageously expensive. The whole, you know, Silicon Valley area, Marin, all that stuff. It's, you know, to me, that's the, you know, that's my big beef with it is it's just way too expensive for me to, you know, really live there. Um, and, uh, you know, they, uh, if you go to the Tenderloin area, right, that's kind of the only kind of bad place in San Francisco now. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, sure, it's like, you know, um, I, I haven't been there in, I don't know, a few years or something. But, um, I mean, when I, I I remember walking through there, I mean, I was by myself. I was in the Tenderloin. I, I, yeah, I mean, I didn't really think much of it. It's like downtown, you know, like in, I guess, like Center City or whatever. And, yeah, I mean, it's definitely more seedy, but you know, compare that to, you know, Bankhead or something in Atlanta or North Philadelphia or, you know, these other areas. I mean, it's not even close, man. I mean, these, these places are like legit violent, you know, like a person pretty, I mean, Philly's like right around averaging a murder every single day. Um, so, you know, I can't really get on board with that. Um, just that aspect of it. And again, you know, it's just about being, you know, for me, about being honest. It's not just saying, oh, yeah, they're liberal, so everything is awful. It's like, well, I don't know. I mean, it. there are things over there that are really cool when I go there. Uh, you know, I always have a good time, and it's super nice. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, I, I like Paris uh, a good bit, and I, as of last year... Um, I don't know, seem still is like really, really beautiful and uh, awesome place. So anyway, it's a pretty short read, so I, I may even read through the whole thing. But it says, uh, <clears throat> workmen cleared away burned hulks of cars, scrubbed the defaced Arc de Triomphe monument, and replaced the shattered windows of luxury boutiques in Paris on Sunday after the worst riots in the center of the capital in half a century. Uh, several thousands of riot police were overwhelmed on Saturday as they fought running battles with protesters in the shadows of some of Paris's fabled landmarks and through its fanciest shopping districts. More than 400 were arrested and more than 100 were injured, shocking Parisians and tourists alike. At the base of the 19th century, Arc de Triomphe police kept the public back as cleanup crews set about erasing graffiti, much of it targeting President Emmanuel Macron and some exuding anarchist sentiment such as overthrow the bourgeoisie. Uh, this, I would say that is uh, communist, actually, right? Not anarchist? Way to go. Reuters. I've worked on monuments around Paris for 20 years and I've never seen anything like this. It was carnage, a Paris City Hall official overseeing the cleanup said. As his team worked on graffiti reading, Macron resigned. 
Lasting damage might be caused if crews are forced to road the arch's stonework to render it clean. Authorities were caught off guard by the escalation in violence after two weeks of nationwide unrest against fuel taxes and high living costs, known as the quote-unquote yellow vest movement after their fluorescent jackets worn by the protesters. On the Rue Royale in the heart of Paris, half a dozen laborers gingerly replaced glass panes in front of a Dior store. Next door, Chanel employee vacuumed shards of glass on the floor while carpenters removed the plywood panels that had been protecting a Gucci shop. The government said it would consider a state of emergency in face of the unrest across the country. The violence in Paris was the worst in the elegant center of the capital since May 1968 student uprising that brought France to its knees. Uh... Maybe the army should intervene. This is uh, a sec- the next section. We're already afraid of what's going to happen next week. The violence is escalating at an exponential rate. I hate when people say that. Exponential rate. That's like a really specific thing. Just uh, Violence is escalating. I, d- I doubt it's at an exponential rate. You would probably have like nukes being launched within like a week. Uh <laughs> The state is losing control. They cannot let this happen. Maybe the army should intervene. Um, so that's just some woman. Yeah. Okay. So so some random woman said that. Great. That's important. Parisians and tourists surveyed the aftermath, capturing the, <clears throat> the moment on cell phones as the capital digested the chaos that now poses a serious challenge. Serious challenge to Macron's presidency. Macron has a problem on his hands. Everyone's fed up. He's got to listen more, said some other person. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, There's enough money in the coffers of businessmen. Share the riches. Authorities said violent groups from the far right and far left, as well as thugs from the suburbs, had infiltrated the Yellow Vest movement in Paris on Saturday. There were signs that some of the hardcore troublemakers were part of the anarchist and anti-capitalist movement. Banks, insurance companies, upmarket private homes, and cafes and glitzy boutiques were among the properties smashed up and looted. The protests are taking a toll on the economy. On Saturday, boulevards that should have been packed with tourists and Christmas shoppers resembled battle zones as smoke and tear gas hung in the air and debris littered the ground. Hotels and department stores in the capital stand to lose millions. We thought, oh, that's our holiday over. Uh, some Chinese tourist. Great. Uh, we're here to shop. Oh, whatever. Uh, okay. So, what is important or interesting about that? So, to me, probably the... And this kind of goes back to the first time I was hearing about <clears throat> these gas taxes and uh, or fuel tax, whatever, and um, you know the out the outrage that had been coming from it. And to me, it's it's interesting um, on a, a couple of different levels. You know, uh, one is you know if you sort of believe the the monolithic presentation of Europe. Uh, in in the media, you know, they're just all in lockstep, you know, for this green revolution and getting rid of any, you know, uh, 
carbon-based fuel systems or, you know, whatever, uh, you know, all this stuff, you know, global warming and is, is like the number one issue. Uh, you know, and that's kind of how things are presented. I mean, you know, I, I, that's how it's, you know, again, it's, I, I feel like most of the people saying this stuff is people that they don't, they've never been there, you know, um, I don't know, but the first time, uh, well, I remember I, I was in Italy, um, this is in the summer of 2003 and, the you know so we had the U.S. had invaded invaded Afghanistan and Iraq at that point, um, and man, George Bush was vilified, uh, and I remember having the impression that the average people there are just as brainwashed as over here. They're just sort of brainwashed. Um, with a different, you know, a different agenda. Um, and maybe the, the scary thing is now, uh, I, I think that that agenda is, uh, you know, sort of taking over in the United States as well. Um, anyway, so, uh, but yeah, you know, it, it's, uh, they're these, uh, you know, this, this country that's supposed to be just so, you know, so progressive, so super green, uh, you know, had their largest protests in 50 years because of an increase in the tax on gas. I mean, that's like directly in, you know, and so, you know, you don't, you have no idea. Does he, does this represent the majority? I, I, I have no idea, you know, who are the people doing this, you know, but you definitely know that hundreds of thousands of people are not down with this. And, um, you know, they, and they talk about the, the, the sort of anti-capitalist, uh, <clears throat> the anti-capitalist, uh, you know, sentiments expressed. I mean, this is a, it's a government tax. Uh, what, what about why is capitalism uh, being demonized here? Like, why? Why is that even in in the equation? You know, I mean, it's it's certainly not like the business is uh, raising prices, right? It's a completely artificial uh, price rate. And um, you know, I was looking back for an article about uh, about the fuel tax and. Um, I found an article. I, you know, I, I can share it. Uh, it's on Euronews.com. Uh, it looks like this guy Claire, or this woman Claire Heffron uh, is associated with Reuters. So I mean, this is I, my my assumption is that this is like a mainstream take on things. Um, French President uh, Macron is under pressure over growing fuel prices in France. They're talking about some... This was... Uh, oh, what day was this? This was uh, November 13th. So this was a couple weeks ago. Um, and there was some protests already planned at that point. However, Macron insists that tax duties on petrol must rise to promote and develop greener forms of transport. So, unless uh, unless this is actually an in error, um, 
this is like directly there. I mean, this is you know, this is what they want, right? They want to stop global warming. They want to stop people, you know, using gas. Uh, so their solution is to just tax the hell out of it. Uh, the government's 2018 draft budget set a plan for larger carbon taxes on petrol, part of a part of a tax on fuel paid by all consumers. The contribution climate energy cce is france's version of a carbon tax put together five years ago the cce has developed from year to year adding pressure on the cost of fuel cce was relatively unknown amongst french people and was planned without public knowledge at a time when the price of oil was low um yeah so you know sounds pretty familiar um you know just making these massive fucking changes uh without you know no votes no representation no discussion just there it is um so i uh also in this article which i found was interesting they had a grab and they were sort of focusing on where does france land as far as uh fuel expenses and um i think they said they were like number eight in europe or something so you know they're not they're not like the top or anything um (laughs) but they uh they show this 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 uh figure and i'll yeah i'll definitely i'll link it um here let me grab the link and save it over here uh so they have this figure and and it's uh i guess it's just in alphabetical order so this it's not in order of you know price or anything um so the uh so i guess you could kind of figure out where france lands but you know i i mean honestly i mean this this goes austria belgium bulgaria croatia cyprus czech republic you know includes everything you get france portugal you know whatever i mean all all these uh and the and they actually have uh, looks like they have an average uh, there as well. So, but the thing that just absolutely jumps out at you, you look at this. Uh, it's a bar, you know, bar graph, and these bars go from left to right. And there's a blue section and kind of an orange section. And the orange section is sometimes double uh, the blue section, or you know, it looks roughly like that looks like nearly double uh on on almost every one of these and when you look down the price without taxes is in blue the price with taxes is in orange so anywhere in europe you are paying uh you you can do it there so they have the, the average so they say um the average price without Tax is six oh seven thirty nine, and with tax fourteen eighty five fourteen eighty five fifty one. So that's about sixty percent of the price that you pay on average in Europe at the pump is just tax. I mean, it's just a fucking artificial, inflated number, and these riots are about you know cost of living and stuff and you know i mean like what happens with you know i guess some of this money i mean one thing i would say you know my my buddy that lives in france i mean one thing i would say about over there is 
while, you know, they get painted as, you know, being obviously, you know, more socialist or whatever, but it's like, hey, man, like, I got to pay a ton of taxes in the U.S., and I still got to pay for my health care, you know, um, I, I feel like I'm not, you know, I'm not saying it's like the right approach or anything, but I feel like they are, um, the, the French people get more out of their tax dollar than in the U S I mean, we send such, such a large amount of our tax dollars go to, you know, war. I mean, and, and, you know, France and pretty much, you know, almost everybody, you know, every country in Europe, I mean, their military is a much, much smaller fraction of, of the economy, you know, than, than the U S. Um, so, you know, right there, we, you know, we just fucking set that on fire. Um, and any, anyway, you know, I mean, in France, like, I mean, I, you know, I have no idea if the healthcare is bad or worse. I mean, I feel like my, you know, if it was like really like stone age or third world sort of style, um, healthcare, I, I have a feeling my buddy would be moving back to Atlanta. Um, but you know, I mean, I, I got like, I think the shittiest healthcare I could find for, uh, in the healthcare marketplace. And, uh, it's like 300 bucks, um, a month. And, uh, I, you know, the deductible is like thousands of dollars and I'm pretty sure the deductible is like everything. So I basically get no, my insurance doesn't cover anything until I get over this deductible. Uh, whereas, Hey man, I mean, at least in, in, uh, you know, France, I mean, I, w I wouldn't, you know, I'd be paying maybe a little bit more in taxes. I mean, that that's the thing. I, I don't even think that, like, the tax rates are, you know, that much higher. Uh, I'm not sure how they hit the the poor, uh, poorer people. Um, I know in the U.S., you know, there's definitely a line where below which you don't pay any tax. So I don't, I don't know what that deal is. But anyway, um, you know, it's uh, this, this idea that the, uh, this is some sort of capitalist thing. I mean, it's just bananas. You know, capitalism is trying to get it to you at 40% of the price that you're paying. But, you know, your authoritarian leaders are forcing you to pay a 60% tariff uh, every time, you know, you fill up. And, you know, I don't, I don't know how else... Um, I don't know how else they, they hit them because they also are talking about that this is like just like a carbon tax, like the gas is just caught up in it. So I would imagine if you're getting power from, you know, a carbon burning thing or, yeah, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, so I thought that that was a uh, whistling in the dark worthy um, article. Uh, it seems, you know, pretty ironic. Uh, I mean, that's one thing, you know, we haven't seen, they, they can, uh, you know, they can paint Americans as being ignorant and everything, but we have never like trashed a thousand year old, thousand year old monuments because, uh, we didn't want to pay, uh, carbon taxes. Um, obviously they're getting it way worse over there. So, you know, kudos to them. I mean, fuck paying this like insane tax, you know, um, I, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I know that 
you know, this definitely like happens in the U.S. and um, I would, I'm sure it's, you know, pretty much business as usual for governments. But one of the things that, you know, really irks me is, you know, they, um, like talk about having to, you know, they, in the U.S., like we want to have these green initiatives and they want to, you know, uh, give money, you know, government subsidies to people researching, you know, whatever, or, you know, companies that are green energy, you know, whatever, all these things, bonuses for being, you know, efficient or whatever. And, um, you know, it, and, you know, at the end of the day, right, it's just to try to get people to make the market choice. Uh, I mean, at least on the surface, right? In reality, I'm sure it's not that. In reality, it's just a bunch of individuals trying to get, you know, more for them. Um, and they're just using, like, you know, whatever means necessary. So they'll fly the green revolution flag if it's, you know, beneficial to them. But I do not believe that, you know, that their heart is in that necessarily. Um, yeah, so they you know, the, the idea is like, oh, we need to tip the scales in, in favor, you know, of, you know, solar energy or something like that, wind energy, you know, hydro power. Um, but, you know, un, instead of adding more taxes, right, and like having the government get more involved in the economy, why don't they reduce the subsidies for fossil fuels, you know? I mean, it would have the identical effect, but then people would have people, you know, normal people would be richer. They would have more money. They would have paid less taxes to the government and they would be then getting things, you know, they would be making the decision maybe to go to solar or, you know, a businessman may have made the choice or, you know, or investment fund or something to invest in green energy research, you know, 25 years ago, 50 years ago, uh, be, if there weren't these, you know, all these crazy subsidies and stuff that may get better for them. They're like, wow, we can, you know, get, get in on the, you know, this uh, gold rush here for whatever, supporting oil, you know, because... <clears throat> You know, they they sold like oil as as it's like a national security issue. So if you are developing, you know, some technology or some com company that produces oil or whatever in the United States, like that, that was, you know, that was like looked at as like super patriotic, you know, you're you're. you're you know, so uh, they they didn't have a tough time creating all these you know subsidies and and whatever and and I I don't know you know it it's pretty interesting you should you should uh, take a look at attempts people have made to quantify the subsidies and you know it's it's outrageous because the subsidies for, for fossil fuels they're all over the place they they subsidize you know exploration they they uh, they subsidize um you know, legal fees or something, you know, it's just, it, it's like every piece of their, of the business from like top to bottom has had massive, massive subsidies. And it, it, it you know, it's, 
like the the sort of legal protections you know i remember reading something i mean they were saying i mean this is like almost hard to quantify right like how, how do you even quantify like what what if they lost this suit or these suits or you know maybe they even made it so you couldn't bring suits against them or something you know um becomes really really hard you know so you have this like really big spread of the approximate um cost of the uh the subsidies so um yeah and and you know so coming in and and then taxing it's like here we're gonna give them you know it i mean (laughs) it's even worse right right if it was just like okay we're gonna put a you know but we had a 10 percent uh you know tax uh I, you know, whatever we we gave you a ten percent discount, and now we're wiping that away, right at the pump. But that's not actually even remotely what happens in the U.S. Like the it, consumers only um, indirectly benefit, you know, in a cost uh, or price way from subsidies. They only, you know. The, it's not like it comes that here's the price and then you can send, you know, you pay whatever and then you send us a receipt and we send you like a 10% rebate or something, you know, uh, it's not it's not that it's like these legal fees and exploration stuff and all, you know, whatever research and development. I mean, wh- wherever they come, these billions and billions of dollars given to these uh, these companies, which is consumer tax money in the first place right or at least a a large portion of it i think the individual i think there's more taxes paid by individuals than uh corporate income tax so yeah so so we you know we send our money in so we don't go to prison and then they give it you know to these like oil companies to to go explore and then the oil companies you know, sell us gas at the pump, and then the government fucking taxes that heavily. I mean, we we still have gas tax here. It's not like, you know, a fucking whatever, like 150% tax. Um, and that, right, that's what it is, right? Like, it, if it was for, uh, if it, it, it like 60% of the price, is taxes right so if the price was um a dollar that would mean per gallon that would it, this in europe that would be 60 cents of that dollar goes to taxes and only 40 percent goes to the actual company so the the taxes are 150 percent you know just uh i would not just to be clear that that's what those numbers uh that's the average tax rate on gasoline at the pump in uh, the EU, 150%. I actually don't know what it is in the US. So I, I don't know. Maybe it actually is somewhere up there, um, but it's high. But anyway, you know, so we get hit with those taxes and our other taxes, you know, that we pay on our income, they get funneled, you know, to these companies, you know, and then, and then the government's going to come and start, you know, pe- you know, uh, whatever, you know, fucking Al Gore and you know, Bernie Sanders, whatever, you know, they're going to start, you know, uh, 
getting all high and mighty, you know, talking about how, you know, how we need to do this green revolution. Well, it's like, hey, man, like you guys have been captaining this ship that has just been siphoning money from regular people and pouring it into the fossil fuel uh, industry. <laughs> I mean, what? how about you just like go fucking fix your own shit, man? You know what I mean? Like, leave us alone. And so their solution is going to like tax more and then say, okay, now we're going to take that, you know, just extra money and we're going to start giving it to these other energy producers that aren't using fossil fuels, you know? And it's like, or, you know, you could level the playing field by just removing all of these subsidies, removing the gas tax, right? Oh boy. So anyway, so that's that, uh, that that's running I'm, I'm running a bit long on this and I actually have to kind of wrap up relatively soon and I would like to get to antiwar.com um, you know what do we say in summary about this uh, good for you protest my buddy thinks it's funny that lives in Paris because they're not even the worst they're not like near the top of the EU in uh, gas prices but um yeah, I don't, I don't know how you defend 150% tax. It's just like totally fucking outrageous. Um, but hey, you know, that's your one. I mean, clearly he wasn't out there uh, rioting. Uh, so real quick, what's happening on antiwar.com? Uh, U.S. Uh, airstrikes kill dozens in East Syria, aiming to support Kurdish offenses against the last few ISIS towns in eastern Syria. The U.S. has been conducting heavy airstrikes against those towns near the Iraq border. According to the Syrian Observatory uh, for Human Rights, this is killing a lot of civilians and non-combatants. In addition to ISIS fighters, the observatory reported Wednesday... The U.S. airstrikes against Al-Shafa also targeted a hospital, a prison, and several civilian homes. They reported 40 killed in those strikes, mainly prisoners, with the toll continuing to rise as more bodies are found in the rubble. Further U.S. Al-strikes, airstrikes on Al-Shafa on Friday were reported by Syrian state media, who put the death toll of those airstrikes at 30, including some civilians and combatants. The exact split is as is so often the case, was unclear. There is, This has been a recurring problem with the strikes against these towns. ISIS has a lot of fighters within, but the U.S. has little information on where they are and are often striking despite cloud cover, hitting virtually random parts of the cities and killing a lot more civilians than ISIS. Uh, so that's great. Um, UN confirms U.S. airstrike in Helmand killed 23 civilians. U.S. This is Afghanistan. U.S. helicopters attacked against the Helmand province, reported to have killed dozens of civilians. NATO shrugged this report off, saying that ISIS hit a building that was a fighting position. In quotes, the UN confirmed on Friday that the U.S. attack indeed killed 23 civilians, including eight, including eight women and 10 children. They also cited a local official that said that the building in question was near some Taliban fighters, but this could not be confirmed. This only adds to the numbers of civilians killed by the U.S. attacks against the populated areas in the Helmand province. Uh, Taliban controls much of the territory, though the U.S. backed still... Uh, 
U.S.-backed, I guess, forces still controls the provincial capital. The U.S. has greatly escalated the number of airstrikes against the Taliban targets across the country, and it is unsurprising that the record number of strikes also means a precipitous rise in the number of civilians being killed. Uh, what else we have? Saudis and the UAE call UN block block UN call for Yemen ceasefire. Uh, British government's UN resolution calling for Yemen ceasefire has been blocked by heavy lobbying from Saudi Arabia and the UAE. Uh, they are the chief participants in the in this war in Yemen. The, res, the resolution would have called for a halt to fighting in the vital aid port of the Hodaida, which we have spoken about a number of times on this podcast. Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman was very public in his opposition to the ceasefire. The British officials say he was he threw a fit about the proposal. The prince complained that it weakened the Saudi position on the war. Salman's level of influence is perhaps not what it was after the murder of Khashoggi, though apparently it was still enough to convince several nations, including the U.S., to block ceasefire resolution and demanding it be held for at least a month. The Trump administration's call for a ceasefire in late October seems to be losing momentum, growing interest in showing the Saudis that Khashoggi or no, the U.S. still supports them has meant that the Yemen is no is once again a low has meant that Yemen is once again a low priority. Uh all right. Well, there's also all this stuff going on in Ukraine. Something something about Ukraine blocking all Russian men from entering. Uh I don't have to, I don't have time to to get into that right now. Um but yeah, so, you know, um, as always, the murdering in the Middle East is uh, continuing unabated and unreported, just in case we're wondering what, uh, what I want to receive notifications. Uh, Kishag- this is CNN's headlines. Kashagi sought an electronic army. Months later, he was dead. Macron seen confronting Saudi prince on camera. Pompeo doubles down on U.S. support for Saudi Arabia. Trump officials break with CIA assessment. Uh, the astounding Putin MBS high five. Bush's last words, a whole bunch of stuff about Bush. Uh, yeah, so I guess this Khashoggi thing, it's really... I. So this was my... Um, this was, I, I'm going to skip this three women because that was just... Um, me being, I was just, I just thought that was really stupid, but I don't think it's, I mean, it's just part of like the distraction and whatever. Um, but the Kashagi versus all the wars, uh, you know, this, uh, this was actually like the final kind of, um, question uh, that I wanted to ask. Uh, or I wanted to address or talk about. It's something that I, I've thought about and sort of similar to yesterday when I was sort of trying to walk through like, well, how do I like, you know, analyze articles and information and is there is there any way that I can like explain it in a useful way? Um, this is sort of walking through a, kind of a new idea for me here. 
And um, so it's just like the, uh, you know, the question of why are people so, you know, I, I guess this is like a specific case of the more general, you know, topic um, of like people being duped. But, you know, this is like specifically like why do people care in the United States about this Khashoggi guy when, you know, I mean, we, we've been at war over there for, um, you know, 18 years. And, and I mean, it's not even kind of slowing down. Uh, why, you know, how, I mean, just look there, like this guy was killed. However, you know, I mean, I guess he was, I mean, he's a civilian, Okay, well, with the, uh, how many civilians did we just, uh, killed 23 Afghani civilians, killed a bunch of civilians in Syria. I mean, this is all like this week, you know, <laughs> U.S. is fuck. He just blew up a fucking hospital. Uh, I, you know, um, now obviously, right. They're not even seeing it. Um, so I feel like that's the answer. Like, and, and that's why, you know, I, I, some friends of mine have sort of like heard, uh, blips of my podcast that aren't, that don't really listen to it. And they're not, you know, they're not libertarian or whatever. And, you know, and I, and it's like, I can, I can feel it like out of context. It sounds like if you don't have the sort of explanation and the study sort of leading up to it, it sounds pretty crazy to them to like hear me refer to CNN as um you know propaganda uh but you know but it is right i mean we've gone through it enough i mean there's nothing it's every single article is just like anti-trump anti-republican and always pushing you know this sort of liberal and democrat uh agenda and they are the other thing where the two agendas align is war right? They will not write a single anti-war article anymore. They And in fact, what they really do when they really, really, really are opposed to something is they just completely ignore it. And they need, you know, so as long as Fox and CNN and MSNBC unilaterally ignore war, then it's, you know, it and they do not report it, then it, it basically is as if it it's not happening. You know, it's people do not look, you know, they don't look any deeper than that. You know what I mean? Like, where, like where, where else, where else are they looking? You know, they're, they're looking on Twitter. They, you know, they look on their Facebook feed. Uh, they look, um, you know, the Huffington Post, top Kamala teases presidential run. Like, okay. Like, you're talking about a fucking 2020 presidential run. Um, you know, I mean, Huffington Post is just is in lockstep with this, like, anti-Trump. Police indict BB for uh, bribery. I don't know. You know, I mean... I. I I mean, what's, what's like bigger, you know what I mean? Like the, uh, uh, Dave Smith on his Friday episode, 
he was uh, talking about how, uh, you know, I'm really bad with all the names and stuff, but Cohen, I believe, is the guy that got indicted that was Trump's lawyer. And apparently he, you know, lied, I guess, under oath in front of Congress, you know, but, you know, like the point Dave Smith was making was like, yeah, he lied uh, uh, like about when something happened and it was it was something like five months off. And he said, on top of it, it's like what they were, what the topic was is actually like totally legal. You know, there's nothing wrong with them doing that. Uh, you know, it's just kind of like not a big deal, but that's how they get you. It's like they make all these laws, you know, that basically, you know, they can just lock up anybody they want whenever they want, but, you know, they never, you know, they're never going to use them against their friends. So it's like, don't be their enemy or they can just lock you up. And then he used some examples of uh, um, Clapper, I think was the NSA one. He used that example, you know, where just, you know, straight to Congress when asked directly, you know, are you spying on like, you know, U.S. citizens? He says, you know, just no, flat out no. When reality was just massive, you know, illegal spying apparatus and nothing happens to him. Like nobody's even, you know, possibly talking about it. I feel like it's kind of a similar, you know, a similar thing, right? You just like, whatever, just ignore it. Just ignore it. They just like continue to ignore. And since they control, you know, such a large portion of the narrative, like the volume of it, right? Like whatever percentage of people, you know, get to hear from like Alex Jones or, you know, Scott Horton or, you know, hear the Dave Smith podcast. You know, it's very small numbers compared to like Huffington Post, CNN, ABC, CBS, like, you know, and, and, you know, Reuters, uh, um, it's going to be a lot you know, like they're a little bit more level-headed, I guess. But you know, they're talking about the riot. You know, the riot. According to Reuters, the biggest thing is these. You know, gas price protests. Um, there's like G G twenty summit stuff. Uh, Comey drops challenge to House panel subpoena. So they're even on this stuff. Be celibate or leave the priesthood, Pope tells gay priests. Saudi crown prince arrives in Algeria. You know, I mean, California wildfires. There's not a single mention of, you know, the wars that are going on right now. And I mean... You know, I oh yeah, I, you know it's like it's almost like it it's like trains us to be like they don't seem as sexy or it's like interesting or whatever, but like yo, know, there were like people in a fucking hospital that got fucking that missiles from United States warships blew up and murdered like that just how I mean you know just imagine like your friend or you know your or some people in your family or whatever was like in in your you know neighborhood hospital your city hospital whatever's the closest hospital and uh i don't know fucking canada just fucking dropped some drone bombs on them and just killed them all i mean like where is that gonna land on you know your priority list is that gonna be above or below 
the gas price riots, you know, in Paris, or, you know, this fucking Cohen, uh, Trump's lawyers, uh, you know, whatever's going on with him. You know what I mean? It's just like, they just, they don't give a fuck, man. They don't give a fuck at all. You know, there's like human, it's not about like humanity and human life and being good. So, um, but how does that happen? I, I think that the key is just giving it no airtime. I mean, that's how you do that, you know. And do I bring this up to like liberal friends, and it's just like their it's like their brains just go blank. Like they have nothing to say, you know. When you bring up the fact that like Obama like started all these other wars and all this stuff's going on or like why do you guys care so much about like whether or not trump paid this woman that you know a prostitute a porn star or whatever like who paid what like when the, you know i mean there's like full-on fucking wars going on right now that that like the people you voted for are are at the head of of like are the cause of like you went to the fucking box and said i want obama in office you know in the voting booth and that guy then went on to order u.s troops to continually attack for eight years a bunch of fucking just people living in in the middle east you know that had already been attacked for like the prior like six years or something so uh i you know i it it doesn't do any good right i I mean i feel like the only thing the only way that you would ever turn the narrative or like open people's minds up is is basically like counter propaganda you know (laughs) like except it's the truth you know i mean like, like to me i feel like there's an aspect of propaganda that like it is sort of inherently false. You know, that's what makes it propaganda. I mean, if you're just bludgeoning somebody over the head with the truth, I I don't I don't know. I don't think it's propaganda, but it's just like frequency. Like people have to see it. Like they they're just they're not going to seek it out. There there's no war. Their hospital in their local town is not getting drone bombed. Nobody they know are getting killed, you know, like and they're not hearing about it. They're not seeing any images on the news. You know, nothing. The only way that would ever change, I think, uh, it'd get things going the other direction. If if somehow these people saw this news more, you know, it was in their face. And and I guess, like, to, you know, like CNN and all them, I mean, they do a good job of whenever any upstart does come up, you know, they demonize them. And... You know, so they, uh, so nobody, like, everybody assumes, oh, you know, Alex Jones is lying, like, Alex Jones is full of shit, it's like, yeah, I mean, whatever, dude's not, like, maybe not super accurate, um, on a lot of stuff, but he is very anti-war, and I've always, I've always liked that about him, and, uh, you know, and I, I believe, although he's toned it down a little bit, uh, it's still, you know, it's still there in, in uh, you know, in his, uh, 
in his repertoire. So uh, anyway, I'm, I'm going to wrap it up here because I got to run. I'm going to have to mix this down uh, when I get back home. Uh, but yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it. And um, come look for me on Twitter, Patrick J. Bradley, on Facebook, Whistling in the Dark podcast you can search. And on Gab, uh, my username is Whistling in the Dark. And um, another thing that I, I was going to get started today, but I decided to just do an actual episode instead. Uh, but I got I, I pretty much decided that I, I'm going to get a, a website up because, you know, I spent a little bit of money and got, you know, got some like put some Facebook ads and stuff and some followers came through that and everything. Um, but like it doesn't matter on Facebook, you know, I mean, I don't know if I'm like shadow banned or whatever, but like basically the way Facebook works is like you just pay for these followers. But like when you post, you know, that I have like 500 Facebook followers or something. And then, like, I'll share an episode in, like, 10 people will see it, 20 people, you know. I, it's like they want me to pay again to, like, advertise it. So, um, I think that I just need to get my own mailing list that's just, like, independent and, uh, you know, build that up around my website. So, when I do, you know, release a new episode, I can send an email about it to people, uh, or if I, and it would also be a place that maybe I could like actually write some articles, share that and everything, you know, just centralized thing. I mean, you know, like we said, uh, talked about before, you know, I mean, all of these platforms are, you know, getting pretty heavy handed with the censorship. And I, you know, if, if I ever got popular, it would be such a bummer to, you know, just get like cut off after you, you know, spend all this money and all this time and all this effort to build up, you know, these audiences. And then, you know, Facebook and Twitter just like turn the switch off. And, you know, I don't, I don't ever want that to happen. So uh, I do, uh, I would say a, a, a whistling in the dark uh, website is forthcoming. All right. Uh, have a good rest of your day, and I will hopefully get another episode up soon. Peace. <laughs>